Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. True or false, Jesus wants us to be beacons, that is, beacons of light. That would be, true or false, it would be? All right. It's great to start out as a winner, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah, that's absolutely right. And there may have been a couple of hints along the way, like, you know, possibly, you know, the series title is Beacon. Uh, the shirt might be a little bit of an indicator that way. If you haven't been with us here last week, Pastor Bill made it crystal clear that this is something that Jesus so wanted for us. But you still might be wondering, like, but why? Why does Jesus want me to be a beacon? That is a beacon of light. And his words to us are these. He says, I'm sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. All of us have these common starting places and Jesus said, I want you to be in the light and to get there, oh, of course, you're gonna need a beacon. The first time Jesus spoke these words is actually to um, Paul and we get an example of how Paul did beaconing. And if we're gonna be a beacon, we wanna know how this beaconing takes place. And so let me encourage you, if you have a Bible, to take it right now and turn with me to Acts chapter 17. If your Bible's on your phone, open up your Bible app, please. I think you'll really be helped by looking at this with me as we go through it. Verse 16 says this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, so Paul got ahead of his ministry partners there, and so he's hanging out, and he's waiting. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. The word distressed there is the word parakuno, and it's really a word of um, great descriptiveness. It means to be inwardly agitated. Paracuno is, it's the opposite of passivity. I mean, it's that time in which you just have to do something. There's something going on inside of you, you know, and your foot's tapping. It's just like you just can't stay still. Why? Well, Paul's looking around and he noticed that the city had so many idols. Now get this. There were literally 30,000. No exaggeration. 30,000 idols in Athens. It said that there were more idols than there were people in Athens at that time. You could say there's some darkness that was there. And so Paul, he just starts to strike up some conversations, which then the next thing the conversations lead to is he's invited to go to a meeting. That's verse 22. Paul then stood in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. That is, you're spiritual people. For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Now this is kind of like, you know, awkward, isn't it? I mean, Paul's talking to people he doesn't know, and he, he says, hey, you are just ignorant. Now, I don't know if that's how you win friends and influence people, but he wasn't saying to the people, like, you are just stupid, because he knew, they all knew, 
Athens was one of the most educated places in all the Roman Empire. He was just saying, you're in the dark. When it comes to this matter of God, the spirituality you're pursuing, and I want to help you. I just want to shed some light on this unknown God. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else. I mean, I've just underlined everything in those verses. It's kind of like, wow. He goes on, from one man. He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us. Paul was saying this to people. He goes like, God knows you. God knows where you're at and he cares about you. In fact, God has been working and he's working right now so that you can connect to him, to know him personally. Verse 30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Who is the man that will bring judgment? Who is the man that was raised from the dead? Take a guess. Yeah, exactly, right? He's talking about Jesus here. See, what Luke is doing, he's giving us the bullet points of this conversation that Paul was having with this group of people right here. Paul's message to them was longer than, you know, 90 seconds that we get right here. But in it, he is just brought out again. He only shared the gospel with them about Jesus. He talked about, you know, there is a time if you stand before God, there's judgment. And Jesus came for the forgiveness of sin and so that you don't have to go through that together. What Paul was doing in his beaconing there was he was connecting with, with these individuals with where they were at. In fact, he was just speaking into their worldview. That is, the way that they saw things. You know, the mental grid or sieve that they ran things through and then made judgments and decisions from. See, their worldview back then was this. First of all, that God, well, God was a mystery. If there was ever a time that we could use the word genius connected with the word Satan, I hate to use those two words together. Satan, a genius, But there's every time you can connect them, it's when Satan put out this idea. God is a mystery. He didn't deny deny God. He just goes like, you know, God, uh, he's just a mystery. The worldview went on with this, like, don't judge me. You know, judgment isn't something they talked about. Judgment wasn't welcome back then. You need to decide, because there's a decision, right? There's 30,000 choices, 30,000 different spiritual ways that you could go, decisions you can make. You decide, and how do you decide? Well, the fourth part of the worldview is this. You just need to let your feelings guide you. Now, I'm wondering, when you look at this, is there anything that has a ring of familiarity to it when you're looking at that? Like, I think I've heard, I think I've heard that before, maybe that was the worldview back then. There's a prevailing worldview today 
And we could talk about the worldview that most people in the world adhere to. And that in itself, to have most people in the world agree on anything is like, that's amazing. But rather than talk about the, you know, the worldview that most of the world runs their decisions through and builds their life upon, wouldn't you rather hear just like, what's the worldview of our community? What's the worldview where I work? What's the prevailing worldview where I go to school? Like the worldview in my neighborhood? And there is a prevailing worldview where we live right now. That, you know, kind of like that we find ourselves in the midst of. Sometimes it's referred to secularism, but here's just the tenets of our current worldview. Number one is this, that feelings are the ultimate guide. Number two, it's that happiness is the ultimate goal. Three, judgment is the ultimate sin. And lastly, and God is the ultimate mystery. Would you say these ones with me? I mean, because this is our worldview, right? Everybody together? Number one, feelings are the ultimate. Happiness is the ultimate. Number three, judging is the ultimate. And lastly, God is the ultimate. I really encourage you. If you're taking notes, write these things down. Or grab your phone right now, take a screenshot of this because I think you're gonna see this coming out a little bit more. There's gonna be some conversation that you wanna have from it. If you download the notes, you're gonna see that it's in that as well there. But when we think about maybe just the last you know, week or two, you know, feelings that way. Anybody heard this? That you need to follow your heart. That your heart it will guide you. In fact, if you follow your feelings, your feelings will set you free. Happiness, if you were to sum it up in you know, just one hashtag, you could say, hashtag, follow your happiness. Find your happiness. As a parent, many times we have heard or said this. I just want my kids to be, help me out. Right? Ever said that? I just want my kids to be happy. Or, I hear this over and over again. Well, you know, guy, I mean, God, he just wants me to be happy. I mean, he wouldn't expect me to stay in this situation or stay with this person right now because, you know, you know God wants me to be happy. It's like, because it's, it's the ultimate goal. Maybe you heard this this past week. Somebody said, or maybe you said, don't judge me. Anybody hear that or say that? I mean, all the time, like, don't judge me. You've got your truth. I've got my truth. So don't judge me. Or we can say, like, I don't agree with them, but they got their truth and I've got my truth and who am I to judge? In fact, right? Uh, you know, aren't we, you know, didn't Jesus say, don't judge people? And when it comes to God, as I said, Talk about genius. If you ask a friend, would you consider yourself spiritual? Ask somebody at work, ask, you know, ask your neighbor that way. You know, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? I guarantee you, well over 90% of people are gonna say, well, yeah, I consider myself a spiritual person. You know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in God. But if you ask them any more detail about God, that's when things get really fuzzy. 
And if you pr- press a person, they're like, well, I really don't know, you know that much, or I, I kind of think of it one way, but it, but it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. I mean, all, you know, whatever God you follow, I mean, they all lead to the same place, right? I mean, aren't all religions, and all religions have good in them that way? How do you get that? I mean, because God is a mystery. Now, the ultimate appeal to this worldview is kind of like, you know, what draws people to this, like a moth to the flame, so to speak? It's really about the ultimate authority. Because if God is a mystery, somebody has to make the final decision. Somebody has to decide what's right. And if I don't have God telling me that, you know, giving me that direction, then it's me. And when we begin to think about how much we step into this place of, you know, we decide what's right for us and it's our feelings and our guidance that way. We see why this worldview just kind of has all of the stickiness that it does. Now, one of the reasons I talk about this today, not just about beaconing, but if you happen to be a follower of Jesus, you, you say, hey, I've received Jesus, I'm a Christian. It is really hard to live in the midst of a culture where this is a prevailing worldview and not get affected by it, right? Because you listen, you think about, you know, what's popular music have to say? What's our social media feeds, you know, telling us what's movies and TVs and media itself? It's kind of like everybody's just like reinforcing this. When I was growing up, and my parents were heavy smokers. There were times in our living room, uh, the sun was coming in in the window. You could look across the room and think that you were in the midst of a heavy London fog. I mean, that's how thick it was in there. And if you were then to, um, if I was to go out and you were to smell my clothes or smell my hair, I wore it longer back then, if you were to smell me, you would begin to think that I was a what? Yeah, you'd think that I was because I'd been in that environment and it just began to permeate into my clothes and it just had that stickiness to it that way. This worldview, I mean, it can be really sticky. In fact, some of the things you're just going like, well, wait, wait. Like, when we talk about feelings, like, feelings are God-given. Like, feelings are, are good, right? And happiness, I'll tell you, Self-confess. I want to be happy. How many of you want to be happy? Like, yeah, like, compared to the alternative, like, right? Like, I, I want to choose that. But if you build your life around it, I mean, if you, you know, let a child do whatever they feel, let them do whatever makes them happy, how's it going to turn on for a kid if you just turn them loose with that? I think you know, right? I mean, like, that's not good. But if you Turn an adult loose, right? You just tell an adult, do what makes you feel happy, right? Do what makes, you know, you feel is, you know, whatever you want to be able to do for your happiness. Like, it doesn't end well. But nonetheless, there's this appeal and this stickiness. None of us want to be judgy or be around judgy people. But the matter of God This is where the real separator comes in. You see, the reason that Jesus came, Jesus came to make the God that you couldn't know or figure out, the mystery of God, 
known. Jesus came to make God knowable. In fact, in the incarnation, Jesus came to make God touchable. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. This, Jesus said, my first purpose in coming was so that you could know God. And then secondly, so that you could connect with God as well. And for that part, you just go like, Jesus, thank you so much for doing it. But as Jesus comes to us as God, here's where the worldview rubs come into conflict. Because if Jesus is here as God, Jesus, in other words, is taking the place of me as the final authority. And here's where we war today. And I think it's warning that all of us go through at times. Who is going to be the final authority? Who is going to be the one that can make the final decisions? Because if I am, you know what? I can pretty much justify anything. I can justify my sexual ethic. I can justify all my, you know, my decisions. I mean, look at a lot of the, the political big debates that are going on there. It's like, it's all about the individual and individualism and me and my rights. But Jesus is the one who said, I am the one. And I'm here not just as an authority, but I'm as one to be able to help you with all these other longings that you have. In fact, Jesus said, I'm the one that will help you if you will come to me. I will give to you life, I will give to you purpose, I will give to you meaning, I will give to you identity, I will give to you belonging, all of these things that we are seeking for and seeking after. He said, though sometimes the decisions I put in front of you are going to be hard, they will challenge you the way it may seem difficult. You go like, I don't know if I can be happy if I do that. He said, you check it out. Ultimately, you allow me to be the authority, allow me to be God in your life. And that's when you're going to discover not just God, but this working, this personal working that's there. And he was really clear about this. In fact, his words, Matthew chapter seven, he, he was wrapping up what's often referred to as the greatest sermon he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. He ends this great teaching with this, now, or therefore, because of everything I just told you. Everyone who hears these, worrying, these words of mine and puts them into practice, in other words, you hear what I say and you actually do them. He said, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And he's talking about our lives here. He said, the rains came, the winds blew, and beat against the house, but it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Obedience, Jesus said, is going to give you that kind of a foundation. But he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and he doesn't do them, it's like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, Jesus, but I'm really thinking I got a better way or this is what I wanna do. He said, same thing. He said, um, let's go on. The rains came, the winds blew, the winds blew and beat against the house. And in this case, the life crashes. And he says, great is the loss and great is the failing of that. He said, not only am I in a position of authority, but I'm in a position of authority to tell you what I tell you for your good. Listen to these words of Jesus. He said, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Because not only will I make God known, but I will bring you into connection with the living God. I need to be the ultimate authority in your life. He is that beacon, right? He is the light, the guiding light. 
to bring us into connection with the Heavenly Father, with the Holy Spirit, with the Trinity that way. And as a guiding light, Jesus is, he said, now I want you to help other people, to be able to see the light. Those that wonder, like, God is a mystery to me. How do they find Jesus? How do they learn about Jesus? He's saying, that's why I want you to be a beacon, because light's needed. I've got a light that's in front of our um, driveway. No other, no other street lights in our little cul-de-sac. And uh, this light, it illuminates almost our entire neighborhood. You can see it from everywhere, but it just casts light everywhere. A couple days ago, I happened to look out front and the light, it, it was burned out. And what struck me, because you know, I looked out there at night and it was just like, it was just so dark. And I was going like, you know, I'm like, whoa, the darkness, like there, there's nothing else dispelling it or breaking it up that way. And I thought, you know, because I'm getting ready for this, right? I thought, where's the light for our neighborhood? Where's the light for your neighborhood? How are the people in your neighborhood that are spiritual, how are they gonna get pointed to Jesus? Where's the light at work? Is there any light that's there? Anybody beaconing there? Where's the light in your school? Because everybody's just kind of following after this worldview right there. And how do they find out about Jesus? And if, if we're not beaconing, right? If we're not bringing light, then the darkness remains. When you look around you, you have other people that are, you know, are helping. If you do, this is, this is the best. If you just like, well, that person's a light and that person's a light and that person's a light too, the combined light makes such a big difference. But every place that we go at least could have one beacon. It could have one guiding light that's pointing people, directing them to one of the greatest mysteries that they're looking to have resolved in their life. People are wondering, um, people in the community, but I think sometimes here at church, like, um, when they hear about this new North Campus, you just like, like, why are you doing this new North Campus? And you may wonder, why are we spending almost $2 million to do this new campus on the north side of Waukesha? Why are we sending almost a couple hundred people you know, from our church here, the South Campus? I mean, friends of ours, people we like to interact with and to see key workers, those that are helping us to do everything we're doing. Like, why are we taking those people that we like so much and why are we, you know, sending them over there? Truth. When we look at this part of Waukesha and the, you know, so many people, the density population, there's just not that light that's there. If we can put a beacon there, individual beacons of light coming together and inviting people in, that is the most loving thing that we could possibly do for a person. That's why we're trying to do north. And if you're thinking about you know, going over there, that's a good reason to be able to go. And if you're thinking about helping and giving, that's a good reason to be able to give to it. So what does it mean to beacon, right? because Jesus wants us to be that. 
One of the reasons that I shared, you know, this worldview today, not only because it's like, oh, that's, that's interesting or that's insightful, it, it, it helps us to start out with like common ground and common understanding. This is where people are coming from. This is how people are thinking that way. It's where I was thinking, where most of us were thinking at one point. So we're not about trying to, you know, like, hey, let me tell you why feelings as the ultimate um, guide are wrong and happiness as the ultimate goal is wrong. And, you know, I wouldn't pay a lot of attention to one through three as far as that conversation. Help them with this. As a spiritual person that's wondering and wanting to know the true and the living God, help them to discover Jesus. One of the ways that we do that, and we've kind of leaned into this for a few years right here, it's through this acrostic, bless. Now, if you haven't heard this before, these uh, five letters, B-L-E-S-S, each would stand you know, as a phrase to help us to be light or to be a beacon, to share Jesus with others. B stands for begin with prayer. If you've been with us this year, you know, we've said that we've got this you know, banner that's over 2024, and that is pray first. So we wanna be praying for our friend. We wanna be praying for opportunities. And this is I'll just be frank with you. If you're not even praying for a friend, if you're not praying, God, help me to be a beacon, or you know, help me to be sensitive to the opportunities I have, you're not going to do much as far as you know, lighting the way for others. You're not gonna be much for sharing Jesus because this is really the beginning point of it. I mean, even if you go like, I don't know who I'd share Jesus with right now. Just asking God, like, God, help me with this. L, the second letter, would be listen. When you listen to a person, you communicate that they matter. You wanna tell a person that they're loved, then listen. Because to be heard is to be loved. E, eat, it really kinda takes L to the next level because when you sit down, drink a cup of coffee, have a drink together, have a meal together. I mean, that's a time of conversation and getting to know each other better. The first S would be to serve. Serving, again, a way to show love. Like, how can I help you? My neighbor, my coworker, somebody that I'm just interacting with, you know, stopping along to help there. And the last S would be to share. Share with them, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share with them your story and what's happened that way. Now I know, when we kind of work through those, it just seems like it's real systematic and like, okay, I'm, Monday I'm just gonna go out and bless somebody. It doesn't, it doesn't always work like that, right? I mean, like, when I think about bless and how it plays out in my life, it's different each week. It's different, like, each month. There's sometimes that bless occurs, like, with a divine appointment. You know, God brings somebody to me and I'm just kind of like, like, wow. And I try to, you know, step or speak into it. But there's other times in which if I don't make the initial move, you know, if I don't take initiative in it, it just doesn't happen, right? If I don't plan a coffee, if I don't, you know, reach out to a friend, if I don't talk to a friend, if I don't ask somebody if I can pray with them about something, I need to be in that too. And so for you, it may just be like, I wanna be a beacon and I'm just gonna pay attention when God gives me an opportunity, but I'm gonna be looking for opportunities to do it as well. Now, if you will, 
True or false, Jesus wants you to be beacon. It was true. He wants you to do that. When you share the mystery of God through Jesus Christ, there's three responses that you should expect. Here's what happened here. Verse 32 says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Sometimes you share the gospel with somebody, you share Jesus, you share your story, and people, they just kind of blow you off or they laugh at you. Now, I don't know how you feel when somebody laughs at you, you know, or sneers at you. Me, I just want to punch them. <laughs> Man, I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'll break your elbow. Like, you know, like, you know, like, I'm going to slap you down. Like, not a good response. All right, so I'm just like, let's take that off the table. But no, that, that, that can happen. Some said, hey, we want to hear you again on this subject. They're like, this is interesting. I don't think I'm ready for this now, but they just start the conversation. It goes in process. And it says, some became followers. Sometimes, you know, you just ask a person, would you want to receive Jesus? And they're like, yes, I would. And they do. You never know what those responses are going to be, but you know it's going to be one of those three responses when we're doing what Jesus wants us to do. Now, here's what I'm going to ask that we take action on right now. From today, the first thing I'm gonna ask you, would you please do, is will you examine yourself? Examine yourself in light of the current worldview. I mean, look at, look at yourself. And again, if you haven't taken a picture of this, I encourage you to do that and just jot it down real quick. Have you been influenced by the culture and began to think that, Feelings became your ultimate guide or happiness is your ultimate goal. Any of these have just, you know, taken place with you. If you have kids, talk about this at the dinner table. With your friends, get together and just put this on the table before and say, hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And don't make it a one-time conversation at home either. Again, because this is what is gonna catch us up. This is what's gonna take over. This is always competing with this. And as I said, we all go through the struggle at times. Then, let's choose to be intentional when it comes to being beacons, to being a light, to bless others. Today, we have the opportunity to see um, a couple of people uh, baptized with believers' baptism. That is another way that we are a beacon. If you've received Jesus and haven't been baptized with Believer's Baptism, scan the QR code like right now. Sign up for Believer's Baptism because you proclaim Jesus that way. Invite your friends, come to the baptism. Here's Jesus' words. He said, I am sending you to open their eyes and then turn them from darkness to light. Jesus, I'm sending you into the darkness as a light to help them. To help them go from the power of Satan to the power of God. And he goes on. So that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me or, or as belonging, meaning, in me. If you've never received Jesus, 
Jesus' words to you are, come. I went to the cross so that you would not have to face the judgment of God. But I paid the price of your sin. I want you to experience the forgiveness of sins. And I also want you to have meaning, belonging, identity, and purpose that will be found in me. And it begins by trusting and receiving him. And if you're ready to do that, then I want you to join me in this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for making God known to us. The more we know you, the more we know about God. Help us to know more. For those that are here and their heart's desire right now, Jesus, is to respond to your invitation to come to you to make God known and to make an experience with God personal by receiving you as Savior. Friend, if that is where you're at and that's your prayer, I wanna ask you, would you just lift a hand right now saying, God, I need to receive Jesus and I'm ready to receive him. Yeah, God bless you. Others, that is powerful. Jesus, as you know these hearts, and even for those online, those that haven't you know, physically raised a hand, but they're going like, that's what I need and I'm ready now. As they say yes to you. Thank you for giving them life. And thank you for the beginning of this working that you're doing in them. A personal connecting with the living God. We're so grateful that it's taken place in our lives and we rejoice with these that it's taken place in theirs as well. We pray this prayer in your mighty name, acknowledging you as Lord. And everybody in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.